you have your Bible, turn with me today to the book of Exodus. Turn Exodus, the third chapter. This is a familiar story, so this won't be a foreign story to you. We're going to read 17 verses. I'm going to read out of the Amplified today, so that might read a little different than yours, a little, probably a little wordier because the Amplified Bible is a study Bible. It's to bring about necessary fulfillment of all of the things that are being said in, in other versions putting in all the extra wording. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses, it's all caps in mine. Now Moses, in other words, it's a declarative statement <laughs> that's being made here in the original rendering or the original language, which is Hebrew. Now Moses... Your attention is being grabbed. This is an attention grabber for the reader. Now Moses kept flock, kept the flock of Jethro. This is after Moses has been raised up under Pharaoh. Now he has been exiled, and he's now in the wilderness with the Bedouins, his father-in-law Jethro, and he is, uh, even though he's, he really is a man of, of stature in a sense in the fact that uh, Jethro is a priest of Midian. And so here he is. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back or the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb or Sinai, the mountain of God. How many would like to go to the mountain of God? Mm -hmm. I'm getting ready to go. Verse 2. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire, yet was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw... And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. How would you like to have God just out of, while you're minding your own business, just to call your name? How many have ever had God speak to you while you were minding your own business? Ain't that the most awesome thing that ever happened to you? And this is one of those moments. Verse 5. And God said, do not come near. Put your shoes off of your feet. For the place on which you stand is holy ground. Understand anywhere God is is holy ground. Verse 6. Also he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, everybody knows them throughout the history of Israel. This is the lineage that Israel was birthed from. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Now, I'm telling you, 
I hear people oftentimes cite this and cite that. They've stood face to face and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know. Because when the presence of God shows up, the only place a man can go is to hide. The only place a man can do is get on the floor. The only thing a man or a woman can do is we hide our face from the glory of God because he's so awesome. Now, Jesus made him palatable. Jesus made it so that we can look not into the face of the Father, but we look into the face of Jesus. And by looking into the face of Jesus, we can see the Father and his character. But to stand before God himself, you cannot. Look at this. Look at this. He also said, no, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters and oppressors. For I know their sorrows and sufferings and trials. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand and power of the Egyptians, in other words, their enemies, and to bring them up out of the land to a land good and large, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty, to the place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perzazite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Wow. Now behold, the cry of the Israelite has come to me, and I have also seen how the Egyptian oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you might bring forth my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, <laughs> Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will surely be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain, Horeb or Sinai. And Moses said to God, Behold, when I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said, and God said to Moses, I am. Now in King James it says, I am that I am. But in the Amplified it gives you all of the implication. Look at this. I am who I am and what I am. And I will be what I will be. And he said, you shall say this to the Israelites. I am has sent you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, that the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Now go gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob appeared unto me saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. 
And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanite and the Hivite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to stop right there. Today I want to talk about that name. I am. Now Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament as God instructed him about the past. He put him in the cleft of the rock. His glory passed by him. And when his glory passed by him, I believe that that's the place that the Lord showed him past history so that he would have a clear understanding, not only from the stories that had been handed down from generation to generation in Egyptian bondage to the Israelite, a nation, the Israelites, a nation born in slavery. But he got to see firsthand the history of all of this and began to write. He opens the canon of the Word of God, the first thing we hear of God. He gives him a name of Elohim, meaning this one God is multifaceted. This one God is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This one God is complex. This one God is un unimaginable. This one God is awesome. This one God is fearful. This one God is powerful. But every name in the word of God that we have crafted to call him derives its root and its essence from this name. I am. Many of the names that we've attributed to God are given to him so that we can get a handle around a certain portion of his character and his ability. But if God, was, God the Father was to come today and to declare his name, he would declare it, I am. He exalted the name Jesus above every other name. Because of what Jesus did for us. But the name that has punch and power besides Jesus is I am. Here Moses is at the burning bush and he, he asks God the most personal question any human being can ask God. What is your name? How many understand a name is personal? You're given a name and it defines your character. It's who you are. It's who you're known by. We live and we pass this earth by the name that we were given. And our name is memorialized in a piece of stone oftentimes at the time of our death. And what we've accomplished is established by that name. And God is building a memorial for Moses to understand who he is. Whom shall I say sent me? This is his first encounter with God. He's heard about God. He's heard all of the stories handed down through the traditional oral uh, ability of the Israelites in slavery. 
But now he's finding out he's more than a story. He's more than a carving. He's a reality. I can't even look at him. He's so fierce and so powerful and so strong and so mighty. He's too much. I don't know if you know this or not, but you serve a too much God. He doesn't show up in small ways. He doesn't show up in small things. That's why I tell people dream big because you have a God you cannot exhaust. You have a God that you can, no matter how big you can dream, he can top it. His name is his memorial. His name is his character. His name is everything that he encompasses. We do it in a small way here because we're created in his image. Your name means something. Your name is important. You may share a name with others in this life, but who can share the name of I am? Look at this. He says to him, I am who I am. That's more than just a name. I'm sure Moses was looking for, you know, Fred, Bill, Thomas. He got, I am. That's all you need to know. I am. I don't need to go into great detail here, Moses. I am. I am. Really, it's a declarative statement. It's more than just a name. It's him. I am. I am God. I am almighty. I was thinking about his declarative statement. He's declaring his essence. This is who I am through and through. He's declaring his existence. He is. He exists. This is Moses' first encounter. He's heard the stories, but now he knows I am. He is. He's alive. He's well. He's tangible. He's declaring he's alive. He's declaring that he's powerful. He's declaring that he's vast and immeasurable. He's declaring that he's omniscient, all-knowing. He's not only all-knowing and knows everything, he is all-knowledge. He wrote the book on everything. Oh, come on. I want you to understand who we're talking about because many of us live way beneath our means and way beneath the intention of God because we don't know who he is. And once we know who he is, then we can figure out who we are. We're created in his image. Look at this. He's omniscient. Now, I'll never be omniscient, but he lets me in sometimes and tells me things I shouldn't know just in my natural faculty. He's omniscient. He wrote the book on everything. He's omnipresent. 
He's everywhere, all the time, all at once. Oh, that was the most pitiful hand clap I ever heard in my life. He, there you go. Come on. There you go. There you go. Listen, you got to understand this. There is no place you can go. He is not there. So if you're feeling like it's impossible where you are, ah, it's a lie. You're listening to the wrong voice because he's there. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. He is there. You will not escape this life and say that God abandoned me. No, he did not. Why do you think a drunk can sit on a bar stool and preach the gospel to somebody next to him? He's had an encounter with God. And even though he may not be living with God right now or serving God right now, God has never left him. God is with him. God is trying to coax him off of that stool. Oh, my goodness. Am I going to get through this? Somebody pray really hard. He's everywhere all at once. We're talking about I am. Wherever you are, whatever seems good or bad, he's there. He has never forsaken you. He never will forsake you. You can forsake him all day long, but he won't forsake you. Mm -hmm. Wow. So he's omniscient. He's omnipresent. And the thing you need to understand about those two things, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He wrote the book about everything. You can't hide. You can't write up, think up, make up an excuse big enough to nullify him. Sometimes people in anger, when things haven't gone their way or something's gone backwards, they try to nullify God. Well, God didn't do it for me. He may have done it for you, but he didn't do it for me. Well, blah, 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 blah. that's because you're feeling sorry for yourself. Get over it. Snap out of it. Get back to God. Come on. Come on. God will not forsake you. And here's the thing you need to know. The fact that he's all-knowing and that he's everywhere at once. He's inescapable. Why do you think Moses fell and hid his face? God is inescapable. In an instant, in a moment, in the presence of God. God had an angel light up a bush, but God spoke through the bush, through the angel, and got to Moses. And when Moses was standing before him, the first thing he had to do was take his shoes off because his feet were defiled. And the ground where he stood is where God is. And where God is, it's as holy. And when he knelt there before the bush, he couldn't look into God. He had to look at the ground. He had to hide his face. He had to back away. Why? Because he's inescapable. And the God, the all-knowing God, when he looks at you, his eyes penetrate every fiber of your being 
He knows everything about you, what you've done, where you've been, how you did it, and who you deceived to get it done. He knows, and even a righteous man in the presence of God is undone. Thank God for Jesus. That ought to make you so excited about Jesus because he opened up a way to commune with this God. Look at this. He's omnipotent. That means all authority comes from him. He not only wrote the book on everything, he authorized it. He writes the laws of time and space. Why do you think planets don't collide into each other? God wrote a law. He writes the laws of man, not man. Oh, this is going to, this, oh, I feel Washington shaking right now. I feel Hollywood going. God writes the law of man, not man. God gets to set the parameter. God gets to say what's right and what's wrong. He's the creator. He's all-knowing. He started it all. He holds the authority. He has the right. Who has rank over God? Who has rank over God? He has the right to tell us how many genders there are. Well, that was pitiful. He has the right to tell you that a male and a female are the only thing he's adorned and anointed and ordained. For marriage. I'm just telling it like it is. If you don't like me, it's because you don't like God. Mm -hmm. He writes the laws of, of man, not man. He is ferocious and fearsome. Now, those may not be words you think of, but there are people who, when they stood in the presence of God, say he's, he's, he's awesome and terrible. Why? Because he's so filled with authority. His authority. You know, we like to make up little thoughts about things like, like the lion is the king of the jungle because he's got a roar. And they are terrifying if you're the, especially if he's looking at you like prey, you better find some place you get away from kitty kitty. But a lion ain't even an alley cat to God. A lion is nothing to God. A lion would roll over and want his belly rubbed by God. He carries all authority. He writes the laws of time and space. He writes the laws of man. He is ferocious and fearsome, and he is to be reverenced. 
He is to be reverenced. We treat him so flippantly in today's society, especially within the church even. He's to be reverenced when we come into the house. Yes, he opens up expression. He allows us to be free in his presence. But that doesn't mean everything goes. That doesn't mean there aren't unlawful things. And he's to be reverenced in his word, in his law, in his presence. Can you say amen to that? I got to hurry because I'm way behind. He is the standard of all things created. Because he is their creator, both plant, animal, land, aquatic, and the, not to mention the apex of his creation, mankind. He is the standard of everything created. He is also the creator of angels and their classes, the cherubim, the seraphim, the archangels, and the ophanim. The ophanim, if you don't know who they are, they're the wheels within the wheels. They're the ones that move the throne of God. Mm. They all serve him without question. And certain of these angels fly above creation, singing his declaration that the holiness of I am should be lifted up at all times. And all they do is fly across the expanse of heaven and earth, crying out unto I am that he is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy. Yet we use his name in foul language and mock him and curse him and enjoy the movies that do the same. He also writes the laws of the celestial bodies like our planetary solar system. As random as the cosmos may seem, it is ordered by God. He holds and declares the laws of the universe from subatomic particles to germ and bacterial life. It all finds its origin and finish in him. <laughs> he is holy, untouchable, yet approachable. Let me say that again. He's holy, untouchable, but yet he's approachable. He is pure, completely untainted. He is the essence of righteousness. He's the standard for what is right. He is the essence and standard of all truth. Truth starts and ends in God. He holds all of creation in his hand. Who really do you think you are? I think God's calling. <laughs> Who do you think you are to curse someone who holds Everything that we've discovered scientifically and naturally in his hand. 
He's the God of both the seen and unseen realm. Do you know demons are no problem for God? They're your enemy, not his. Come on. Look at this. He is the lawgiver because he is the law. When you look at him, you know what right is. You don't have to have somebody tell you. When you see him, you know what is right. He is supreme. He is just. He is to be reverenced and holy administration and awful, awful fear. Because he is God. I am. Did you think that two words could hold so much power? Moses didn't start this conversation. God did. Moses was minding his business, tending to sheep. I wish some pastors who are tending to sheep would have a Moses moment with God. Moses didn't start the conversation, but God, but God was aware of a people and a promise that he had made to them. And God is not slack concerning his promises, according to 2 Peter 3 and 9. God never forgets his word. He esteems it, his word, above his name. He's just declared his name and how powerful it is. Yet he says, my word is more important than my name. You'll find that in Psalms 138 too. He's placed his word, this, above his name. While he's holding the universe and the heavenlies and the earth all together, he considers this more important than all that he's doing because this will help you get to him. I'm almost done. Look at your neighbor and say, he's almost done. You see, God is the essence of truth. God is the essence of truth. He can not lie. It's not in him. Who is the father of lies? I won't even say his name. Who is the father of lies? Not God. This is a silly demonstration, but I'm going to give it to you. If God today declared the sky is green, we know, we know in the natural the sky is blue. But if God declared the sky is green, guess what? Poof, it's green. He's the essence of truth. He cannot lie. Nor can a lie stand before him. In him there is no shadow of turning. That's found in James, the first chapter, 17th and 18th verse. In him, there is no shadow of turning. He doesn't change his mind. What he started in the Garden of Eden is what he intends when it's all said and done. He doesn't change his mind. He'll make up for your mistakes. He gave us a way of escape out of the mess we made, but he didn't make that mess. And he's not going to lose. 
God never changes. I want you to see something real quickly. This, this will blow your mind. In him there is no shadow of turning. He cannot turn in any direction except to look forward. There is no changing in him. He is depicted in, in Ezekiel and Revelation as being able to move in any direction, but never turning around. What? Think about that, though. This is our God. He can move in any direction, see in any direction, but he never turns around. That's what the wheels, the ophanim are. They are the all-seeing, all-knowing. They're a description of who God is. They see everything. He doesn't have to turn. The direction he started is the direction that he keeps. Nothing in him ever changes, but he sees it all. He knows it all. Oh, I'm talking about I am. His throne moves with him in the direction he chooses, but it never turns around. Explain that. He is the father of lights, the creator of the sun and the moon. They give direct and projected light. And the turning of the earth casts shadows by which we tell time. Yet in God, there is no escaping his light because he is timeless. <laughs> he cannot change. He is the source of all light. We, th we, we just worship the sun as though it's some great thing. It's just a ball of gas. And it's nothing compared to, no wonder Moses couldn't look at him. He's brighter than the sun. The sun gives off a yellow ray. He's a perfect pure white. Mm. He's the source of all light. He is the author by authority of all life. And nothing exists without him. And time disappears in his presence and evaporates into eternity. Think about that. What was happening to Moses in that moment, Moses was trapped in time looking into eternity. Shielding himself from the immovable God. Moses' past was if it never happened in that moment because it was absorbed into eternity. Look at this. He is God. I am always existed. Think about this. This one blows my mind. Because in us, everything has an origin and a start. But in him, there is no origin and start. He always was. How do you battle that? 
How do you define that? How would you fight that? I can't imagine. He has no origin. He was not created. He alone is the creator. You can write his history. You can't, I should say, write his history because he's always here and now, never then. Even though his word says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no changing. There's no turning in him. But you can't really write his history. No one knows it. He always was. He always was. He's never then and there. He's always here and now. And you can write of the exploits of men, but not of God because he doesn't move in measurable means. He is a, he's ethereal, an immeasurable light of heavenly goodness and completed wholeness that is simply holy and incorruptible purity. An evil thought cannot come from him nor stand before him. His name by, stated by him means from everlasting unto everlasting. It speaks to his sovereignty and uncontested supreme power and authority. The sum total of all creation is from him. Nothing created can escape him. The rebellion of the heart of Lucifer and the fallen angels and demons will not go unpunished. The rebellious hearts of men will not go unpunished. God is incorruptible. And anything corrupted cannot stand in his presence. Today, this holy God is calling for a corrupted people to come out from among the rebellious and to become lovers of God versus lovers of self and pleasure. This same holy God who called out Moses for relationship that he might gather his people is calling out to us once again to gather his people and to partake of his immovable holiness. For the consummation of this age is drawing to a close and the commencement of the millennial age is soon to be released. But will we do like the children of Israel once they were freed from their slavery? And when we come to the mountain of God to meet with him and we see him in his horrible greatness, will we run from him or will we be like Moses and run up the mountain to him. I, I hate to say, but I dare say that probably in this day and age, many of the church world would back up. A great and mighty revival started not long ago in a Bible college and it was shut down by man. I'm not criticizing. I'm just stating fact. So will we live in fear and dread or will we leave with a different countenance the way Moses did? 
Because every time Moses, who got addicted to his relationship with his heavenly father, would come to meet with him, he would come back changed. Every time different, every time. Every time he looked different until finally they had to veil his face because people couldn't look at him. I believe this is our choice today to live for I am. I believe God gave us like Moses as a deliverer for a generation. I believe that in a sense we're above Moses in the sense that we serve Christ Jesus who only gave us two laws versus Moses' burdensome, burdensome 600. The first being the most important, fall in love with I am through Jesus Christ. Let the infilling of I am, the Holy Spirit, be in you. With all of your being, hold nothing back. We didn't choose the name Passion Church by happenstance or accident. I got a hold of this revelation a long time ago that if you're going to serve God, you got to do it all in. If you're going to, if you're going to love God, do it all in. Hold nothing back. Worship Him. Pour your heart out. Pour your life out. Worship him when it's good. Worship him when it's bad. Worship him when things are str- when you're struggling. Worship him when everything is blessing in your life. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Because what's happening here, as I preached a couple of weeks ago, is just a vapor. It's just fleeting. It happens for a second. You're just here for a brief moment, and then you're with him. You're here just for a small, miserable existence, and bam, you're with him forever in ecstasy. And the only job he's given us is in that second commandment to treat others with love and respect and servitude, generosity and kindness, the same that you would want if you were in their condition. (laughs) So this is the final statement. It is (gasps) seven after according to my watch, and I'm going by my watch. The God who cannot cast a shadow, who cannot and will not turn. I know your watch is better than mine. Cannot and will not turn. Who is the same yesterday, today, and forever? He wants you to fall in love with him. He wants you to fall in love with him. Sinner and saint alike. He already loves you. He started the conversation. He started the conversation when he created Adam and reignited it with Moses. And perfected it in Jesus. Hmm. So can we? Can we fall in love with him? I want to fall in love with him every time I approach the throne. I want to fall in love all over again.
deeper and deeper each time. Will we humble ourselves today in his presence? Austin, if you wouldn't mind coming to the keyboard. Father, we thank you. I've held these people beyond their tolerance level, God, but I thank you for their kindness. Father, this message is not an easy one to approach because there are no adequate words to truly explain your glory, to explain your essence, to explain your truth, to explain your authority, to explain your abilities. There are no words. But there is a heart attitude. There is a heart attitude. And that attitude is humility, brokenness, and the abandonment of self for the acknowledgement of God. today. We don't want to be derelict. I want to fulfill the purpose in which you sent me for today. To encourage this group to stare into the face of I am. Through the word of God, stare into his character. Stare into Christ Jesus. Stare into the one who made a way where there was no way. Stare into the one who started a conversation of love with you. Stare into the one who created you for ruling and reigning. Stare into the one who created you not to turn around and not to go back. And not to look backwards, but to only look forward. Stare into the one, no matter where you are, what you've done, who you are. Stare into the one. And the only one. Who can wipe away your past as if it never happened. Who can literally forget what you've done. Literally because it disappears and dissipates in eternity. For the ugly things of this life will not stand in his presence. They are destroyed. But what remains is what he ordains. And he loves you enough to make a way that you can stand in his presence. And all you have to do is say yes. Yes, Jesus, yes. If you're here this morning and you've never made that declaration, you've never said yes, you can. If that's you, no one's looking. I'm the only person. And trust me, I ain't judging. If you're here, all I'm looking for is a hand, not a face. 
If you're here and you need that kind of prayer, would you raise your hand and say, pray with me, Pastor? Thank you. That's honest. That's honest. That is so honest. I'm going to go one step further. You're here today. And you serve the Lord, but you've gotten lackadaisical. You've gotten tired. You've gotten weary. Unfortunately, i got to raise my hand on this because it happens to me too. But you know you're not quite as hot on fire as you once were. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, pray with me, Pastor? That's beautiful. Thank you. That's honest. That's very honest. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I know this isn't easy. But I want to pray with you. And if you were not too ashamed, don't be ashamed of the Father. If you raised your hand, come and let us pray with you. Come and let us take a moment with you. Yes, thank you. That's, that's beautiful.